without further ado, uh, we're going to get right into the word. And I'm actually not giving the word today. I, I, I'm, uh, um, I know it's okay, but no, no, we have somebody who taught me everything, okay, who I am like, and that is our senior pastor who happens to be my father as well, Pastor Carlos. And we are going to kick off a new series today. And uh, if you guys don't know, my dad and I, we share our notes uh, every week on what we're going to be talking about on Sundays. You can come up, Dad, uh, on, on Sundays. And and um, our, his message on Sunday morning at 9 is not the same as my message at 1130. So those who get to stay for both are like blessed double. But what's beautiful is that when I was seeing his notes, I was like, Dad, Dad, I, no, I need you to be the one, right, the senior pastor to start and establish where we're about to go this month with this powerful series. Amen. So can we give it up without further ado, my father, our pastor, Pastor Carlos, who's going to bring the word. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Wow, that's powerful. <laughs> I'm impressed. Amen. Aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord today? Amen. We're so excited to be here, and it's just been a amazing. Andres, when you were saying we need to have a gift to give to people, uh, I guess we're gonna have to write those books. You know, so you gotta get busy writing a book, so you can give up your your book. Amen. How many believe that is prophetic? Man, we're gonna write a book. Amen. There's so much to say, so much to to talk about of what God has actually done in our lives and our ministries throughout all these many years. Amen. For all those that are brand new, this is your first time. It is an honor to have you here in Revive. Amen. I don't get to do this by myself. I do it with such a beautiful lady. Uh, her name is uh, Jeannie Lopez. Jeannie from the block. I met her in New York in the Bronx. Can you come to your feet? <laughs> trying to be like my son, you know. Psalms 34, verse 15. Psalms 34, verse 15. I'm going to read. Uh, also, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 and James 5.16. Don't worry, it will be on the screens for you. But Psalms 34, verse 15, and it reads, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord is hearing us. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18 reads, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And in James 5.16 we read, Confess your trespasses one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. How many say amen? Obviously, if you're following along the scriptures that we've read, there is a common thread. There is a common denominator. There is something that is repeat, repetitive in the scriptures that we have shared. They all talk about prayer. They all talk about the fact that the Lord's ears are open to his children when they cry out to him. So don't stop praying. Amen. Also, the Bible just that we just read, it says pray without ceasing. That means never stop, never give up, continue to pray. And lastly, we read that you confess your sins one to another, but it tells us that we ought to be praying one for another. And it tells us that the fervent prayer, the fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much, is able to accomplish much. In fact, nothing happens if we don't pray. 
Nothing happens if we don't pray. Prayer is important. So obviously today's sermon as we begin a new series. How do you pray? How do you pray? When you pray, is it like a negotiation? Have you prayed a prayer that is really a negotiation? We tell God things like, well, Lord, if you do this, I'll do this. Lord, if, if you commit to showing out in this area, then I'll commit to making sure I do this. That is, prayer is never a negotiation. God, if you do this, I'll do this. Is prayer an afterthought? Is it something we just do, oh, oops, I forgot to pray today. Oh, and let me get my prayer in before I go to sleep. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Amen in Jesus' name, amen. Is it an afterthought? Is it something we do after the fact? Something we just do when it suits us or when we're in trouble. Do we only pray when we have problems? Do we only pray when we have trials and tribulations? Amen. I, I actually submit to you that God might allow you to go through some situations so you can improve in your prayer. Because he wants to exercise. He wants us to exercise our prayer. Amen. And there, are, there may be even times when we say, I'll pray for you. Have you told a person, somebody, we do it a lot on social media, you know, we go through problems, we go through situations, and we post everything, you know, I'm about to enter into surgery, I'm, about, I'm going through a test, I'm going through a trial, would you please pray for me? And we all say, we're praying. But here's the question, that we actually stop in the middle of the day and actually begin to pray for the person. Uh, I mean, it's a nice thought, it's something nice we say to the person, but that we forget to pray later on. But what if prayer, I submit to you, what if prayer, it's much more important than we think and we know? What if prayer is, in fact, the most important thing we ought to be doing in our walk with the Lord? You know, Jesus taught us to pray. And as we go on through the series, Pastor Andres and myself will try to convey and, and teach on, on the Lord's Prayer. How, how do we pray? I want to be able to get across during this sermon series, what are the obstacles to prayer? I want us to get across throughout this series, what is the power of prayer? How, how is it that we pray? What are the types of prayers that God would actually answer? I think it is important that we preach this. I think it's important that we teach this, especially now that God is challenging us to believe for something. To believe for what we already pray for today, for this building, that we believe not only for the building, for all the resources and whatever God is about to do in each and every single one of our lives. So we begin a new series today that will explore how the hustle and the guilt, the how to pray, the struggle with the doubts become the barriers, in fact, through our prayer lives. By understanding, I believe, what the Bible says about prayer we can learn the priority of prayer and God's love. And we can continue to trust the Lord, to trust God when prayer seems like it's not working. Have you ever felt like I'm praying but I don't see it? I'm praying but it's not happening. We will start to pray in today's series, pray anyway. Pray anyway. Tell your neighbor and say, pray anyway. You know, I didn't say this this morning during the Spanish service, but I was reminded as we were worshiping that uh, when I came to the Lord as a young man not too long ago, uh, I went ahead and uh, I kept hearing people talk about prayer in church. I was 13, and I remember that I started, and I'm going to testify about my family later on, but I want to at least say this part now. 
I, 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 was, I, was, uh, I was like, wow, so prayer, God answers prayer. Okay, great. And, and prayer is you can come with your needs and your petitions to God. Oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, and I'll never forget, I, 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 went, I went ahead and every single day I would go to a room and say, Lord, I'm believing for a bike, a bicycle. I want a five-speed, banana seat, blah, 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 blah. This is what I want. I want to see it. So, Lord, when I get up from here, it's going to be in the next room. Thank you. Amen. And I will run to the next room. And I'm like, I don't see a bike. Okay. Then the next day, I will get up and begin to pray again. Say, Lord, I'm praying for a bicycle. So when I walk into the next room, I'm going to see a bicycle. And I will run to the bicycle, I mean to the room. And I, and I, I was always heartbroken that I would never see this bicycle there. You know, and, I, and, I, and of course, now I know better. The prayers God will answer is always the ones according to his will. But at that time as a young person, as a person just beginning to learn about faith, beginning to learn about prayers, I was told he just answers prayers, so I thought I can get myself a bike. <laughs> Later on, I tried that same thing about a wife. And he answered that one. But Jesus teaches us to pray. Prayer is a continuous back and forth conversation with God. I said prayer is a continuous back and forth conversation with God. It arises from an intimate relationship that takes place in a secret place without any distractions. But it also includes praying without ceasing throughout the day and in any place, any location. How many say amen? I remember, like I said this morning, prayer to me was probably one of the best prayers I've ever had or experiences of intimacy with God or prayer or conversation with God was when I used to work in Austin. I was in the telecommunications field and I was working in Austin in that one hour because of traffic and distance that I kept. And even in the ministry as we began, I was working and I would go to Austin. But that one hour of by myself in the car was probably one of the best times I ever had in the presence of God. How many have experienced something like that? Some of the best times. Nothing is, no distractions. Nobody is, is talking to me. Nobody is calling me. My phone is not ringing off the hook all the time. But I'm actually having a time in the presence. And we do it throughout the day. And we're going to get into all that. Being busy can make us forget to pray. Being busy can make us forget to pray. But God would want us to make prayer the priority or a priority before any action. Sometimes what I've experienced, and I'm guilty of it, we run to do the action and we forget to ask God about the action. Or we forget to ask God to bless the action. We make all these decisions. We make all these plans. We, we, we write down the vision and we're about to run with it. We can write the vision, but we need to ask God about the vision. We need to ask God, will you bless the vision? Uh, Lord, are you for the vision? Is this part of the plan? You know, we don't sometimes want to ask God because we, we run the risk of hearing and saying, no. We want to do what we want to do. So prayer is first and utmost communication. Prayer is communication. Beyond simply asking God for things. Our goal in the Christian life is to know and be known by God. It's not about coming to him every morning and asking him for the bicycle. It's about coming in every morning and knowing who he is 
and presenting yourself before him that you be in his likeness, that you be transformed to him. It is coming every morning and discovering what is his will, what is his, the purpose, what is the goal, and align my prayer life with what I just learned with the revelation that I'm receiving. As in any relationship, we communicate, we talk, we listen. The relationship with God is always cultivated with prayer. I am, I always say this, I am a worshiper. How many worshipers in the house? We're all worshipers. Part of our worship is prayer life. But if all we know and do is we love to sing to the Lord, and that's what really we're into. All we do is sing to the Lord, but we don't ever talk to him. Can you imagine spending your whole day in your house singing and your wife wants to have a conversation? Well, if you sing well, it might be good. But if you don't, you might be having some problems. But God would say, look, I want you to worship me, but I also want you to talk to me. And since communication is actually two-way, there is a time in the moment of worship along with the prayer that I am actually going to start talking to you. I'm going to start revealing some things. I'm going to give you the answer to the questions that you're having. Amen. It's called revelation. God will give you revelation. So prayer is the means of asking, is, is also the means of asking God for our wants and needs. But it's not like asking a genie in a bottle with a wish list. See, God is not Santa Claus. You know, we've taught our kids since early on, without getting into the theological discussion of Santa. But we've all, at one point or another, taught our kids, well, Make sure you behave or Santa won't bring you anything. Or make a list. Check it twice. Write them a letter. Send them an email. Let them know what you need, what you want. And if it's like my grandkids these days, it's, right now it's September, I think they're already starting to ask. They're coming to us with a list. This is what I want. Here's what I want you to buy me. I said, but last year you got... Two toys. No, I want five this year, you know. So we come to God with a list. But see, what I want to get across in this sermon series is coming to God with a list of things we want him to do for us is not prayer. That is not prayer. See, sometimes we avoid listening to God because we know that if, for example, we pray an intercessory prayer, which is a type of prayer we'll get into, when you pray for someone... God might prompt you to do something about what you're praying about. What if you say, Lord, I need you to help Brother Joe who doesn't have food in the house. Can you provide food for him? Hallelujah. And we run the risk in that prayer that God says, yes, my son, go to his house and buy him groceries. Because God will speak to us. God might prompt us to do something that may cost us time, effort, money, convenience. We can boldly pray prayers of confession. Lord, I'm struggling with A, B, and C. Lord, I'm going through temptation so-and-so. But then we stop and don't listen, don't take the time. We miss the opportunity to get instructions from God about how to avoid that, how to overcome that, how to be a victor over that situation. All we want is to just tell God things, but we don't want God to tell us anything. 
That's not prayer. We've called it prayer for many years, but it is not prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We come to you in Jesus' name as we worship you. And we acknowledge that you are in this place. And as we present this sermon series, and I present everybody here today, and those that are watching and listening online, I pray that you bless them mightily, Lord, and that we all may grow and increase in the knowledge of your word, and that we all be transformed according to the likeness of Christ. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen, amen. See, we just finished a perseverance series. How many enjoyed that series last month? We just got through that. If you haven't, you can go to YouTube and, and, and you can watch those sermon series. Today we begin to preach about the spiritual exercise that guarantees us the power to be people who do not give up easily. People who can persevere until we achieve God's purpose and the promises that he has for each and every single one of us. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, continue earnestly in prayer. I like the Spanish translation because it actually uses the word persevere. Persevere. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in and, and with thanksgiving. In other words, we need to persevere with prayer if we want to see the results. So maybe this young man that kept praying for the bicycle, maybe he just didn't know better, but he never stopped praying for the bicycle. I persevere. I continue. I didn't know when or how. I thought instantly a bicycle was going to appear. Didn't know later on and a couple of months later somehow my parents went ahead and bought me a bicycle. Might seem so insignificant today, but the persistent prayer, the simple belief of saying, Lord, can I have this? Will you do this for me? It's amazing. So God will want us to persevere. And as Christians, we know that we must pray. How many know that you got to pray? How many knew that? I didn't have to preach to you about prayer to get you convinced to the fact that we ought to be praying. We know that we must pray. And sometimes we pray in the morning after waking up. Sometimes we pray before a big test. Sometimes we pray for strength because we know we're going to have a challenging situation. Sometimes we pray at the end of the day or sometimes we pray before our meals. But we take a time, a little moment to just pray. Many of us struggle with prayer and often feel guilty of how little we pray. Can I confess that God is confronting me even as pastor? To actually continue to grow in this area? That we cannot do this with our own strength? That we cannot continue with just what we've learned or what we know better? That we need to be talking to God. That we need to be seeking him. Sometimes we pray and when we finally make time to pray, we often sometimes don't even know what to say. Have you ever had a moment you say, I'm going to pray, and then you start praying, and you're like, but what do I say? Uh, I don't know what to pray about. I don't know what to ask about. I don't know what to do. And we're going to get into all that when we start talking about the prayer model. But we struggle. Sometimes we feel guilty for the little bit that we pray, and sometimes we feel like, well, now that I am praying, I don't even know what to pray for. The best way to learn to pray, how many, want, how many want the secret today? Tell your neighbor, the secret's coming. Tell them, tell them. The best way to learn to pray is not by reading a book on prayer. It's not 
listening to a teaching or even my preaching today on prayer. Here it is. You ready? You want it? Write it down. The best way to learn to pray is pray. That's the best way to learn to pray. Start. Maybe it is five minutes. Maybe it is 15 minutes. Maybe it is half an hour. Maybe it is an hour. Whatever level, whatever level you're at, it doesn't matter at this point. What God would want you to do is start. Get it going. Let's go. Because we go from glory to glory, from victory to victory. And if you're faithful with the little, I'll put you in the much. God will want us to grow. God will want us to increase. God will want us to advance. But you cannot advance if you don't start. You cannot. I cannot. You see, prayer can make the difference in your life. I'll say that again. Prayer can make the difference in your life. Listen to a poem written by an unknown writer. In fact, the poem's title is The Difference. And here's what it says. I got up one morning and I rushed right into the day. I'm not talking about nobody here today. You know, if, if it fits, you know, it's just, it's just a poem. But I got up one morning and I rushed right into the day. And I had so much to accomplish that I did not have time to pray. All the day went on. Heavier came each task. I said, Lord, why don't you help me? He said, child, you didn't ask. Hour upon hour, the day toiled on gray and bleak. I said, Lord Jesus, where are you? He said, son, you didn't seek. Finally, I tried to come into his presence. I used all my keys into the lock. I said, Lord, why don't you let me in? He said, child, you didn't knock. So I got up this morning and I pushed, I, I, I paused before entering this day because I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. Does that look like any of our days? How many would confess that sometimes you had a day like that one? I think we all should be raising our hands. The rest that didn't, we'll be praying for you at the end of the service. My friend, Pastor Rick Pena, by the way, he'll be here in October ministering to the men and to the church. My friend, Pastor Rick Pena, once I heard him say this and he said, you can either allow your day to order your prayer or allow your prayer to order your day. We have a choice to make. We can either set out in the morning to say, you know what, this is the type of day I'm going to have today. Or we're going to allow the day to dictate what type of prayers we ought to be praying. What kind of problems we're going to be asking God to help us with. Matthew 7 verse 8 says, for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. We must know how to approach God and learn the kind of prayer to which he will in fact answer. We must pray as Jesus prayed. And Jesus once said in Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Give the Lord a praise for that. In other words, prayer requires faith. Prayer requires us 
understanding what Jesus just finished saying here. You cannot quote this. You cannot even say this if you don't have intimacy, if you don't have a relationship with him. To understand that God will do this. That therefore I say whatever thing you ask in prayer, believe that you received. And you will have it. So in other words, the answer is so certain that we instru- are instructed to believe like it has already happened. So my prayer now is different because now I'm praying not for what I want God to do. I'm praying for what he already did. I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord, you've already done this in the heavenly. You've already done this in eternity. You see, we need to understand God is eternal. God is not limited by time and space. God has already been there, done that, seen that, provided that. But we are not at that level or at that dimension. We are in time and space, chronological space, and we're, we're marking time. And as we go through minutes, seconds, days, months, and years, something God already saw, something God already provided, something God already did, something God said, children, I already done that for you. We are now in the discovery phase. We're believing. We're praying. We're agreeing. We're going to touch it. We're going to see it. And we say it is done. It is done. That's some radical faith right there. For it is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith. I've heard it said this way. Prayer, faith is needed when you know his will. Why would you use faith if it isn't to pray according to his will? You don't need faith for nothing else but to agree with what he agrees. To believe for what God already provided. That's what faith is for. So the answer is so certain that we are instructed to believe like it's already done. See, real prayer builds intimacy with God. Real prayer brings honor to his nature and his character. Real prayer causes respect for his integrity. Real prayer allows us to believe in his word. Real prayer builds trust in his love. Real prayer affirms his purposes. Real prayer appreciates his promises. That's what prayer is. So as we continue to define throughout the series, but even today, and just continue to answer the question, what is prayer? What is prayer? Prayer is being in agreement so that God will, will prayer is being in the agreement that God's will be done. Did you get that? Prayer is being in agreement that the will of God will be done. Prayer is asking for the fulfillment of God's will. When I pray, I'm not just praying things that just come out of the nowhere. I have to pray according to his will. Prayer is entering into an agreement with God for what he already said is his will. Is it God's will for people to be saved? Is it God's will for people to be set free? Is it God's will for people to be healed? Is it God's will for people to be delivered? Is it God's will for you to walk in the best? Is it God's will for you to have life and life more abundantly? I don't have to ask about it. I already know about it. How do I know about it? His word says it. So what do I do in prayer? I come into agreement with his word. That's prayer. 
Prayer is not a list of, Lord, I need a new house. My neighbor got a new house, so I want you to give me a house. Lord, my car is breaking down, so can you, can you help me get a car? That's all good. That's all fine and dandy. But prayer is not about things. Prayer is about his will. What is his will? What would God want you and I to be praying for? What would God, you and I, have us interceding for? It is an agreement so that God's will be done. Prayer is man exercising his God-given legal authority on earth to invoke heaven's influence in the world. In other words, prayer is an earthly license to heavenly interference. We were all created, Adam and Eve were created to have dominion, to govern over all that was created. That is still our function here on earth, delegated to humanity. God says, you want me to interfere? You want me to come into the midst of that? Then I need you to pray about it. Prayer gives me the right to come and intervene in the, uh, in the issues of humanity. But I need you to stand up and pray about it. So while we're wasting time praying for the car, we can be praying for the lost. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and the car will be added to you. The things. Prayer is agreeing with God's plans and purpose in faith. My prayer lines up with his plans. My prayer lines up with his purpose. Knowing that he prepared them by grace. Fully believing that he will bring to pass that he, that he has planned or that that God has in fact promised. So my prayer now lines up. Lord, what is your purpose? Lord, what is your plan? It's not, Lord, here are my plans. Can you please bless them? Because, I, by the way, if, even if you bless them, I'm still going to do them. Even if you don't bless them, I'm still going to go out and do it anyway. But can you bless them? And God says, I don't want you to come with a list of what your plans are. I got your plans. I got you. Can you come to me with a list of my plans? And lend me your voice. Lend me your voice so you can speak into the heavenlies. Things that I want done in the natural. So glad you listened to our podcast. And we're believing it will bless your life. And our desire is to impact more souls with the gospel of Christ. If you want to join this mission and want to give today, we will be so grateful. And you can do so by visiting our website at www.revivecolleen.com or text GIVE to 844-462-9071. Now let's get back to the message. John Wesley, great preacher, once said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. So see, the scriptures give humanity the authority, the prerogative to determine what happens on earth. In fact, a careful biblical study of God's dealings with mankind and the earth reveals that he did nothing on earth without the cooperation of a person.
Every action performed by God in the earthly realm required participation of a human being. To rescue humanity of a flood, he needed a Noah. For the creation of a nation, he needed an Abraham. To lead a nation of Israel, he needed a Moses. To lead Israel out of captivity uh, from the Babylonians, he needed a Daniel. To defeat the armies and, and defeat the city of Jericho, he needed a Joshua. And for the preservation perseveration of the Hebrews, he needed a Queen Esther. And for the salvation of humanity, he needed to become a man himself. To save humanity, he could not show up as God. He would violate his principles. He had to show up as man. Thus the Bible calls him the second Adam, the second man. But this second man obeyed God. This second man completed the mission. This second man, oh, hallelujah. As a man, he didn't do it as God. Because if he would have done it as God, the devil would have had the right to say, noid and void. Because you gave dominion to men on earth. God said, okay, that is true. So I'm showing up as a man. Emmanuel, God with us. He left his earthly, he left his heavenly throne to put on this hum human garment. So that then he would have the right to complete and obey everything God has established. The word became flesh, the Bible says. And he came and dwelt among us. And he died for us. And thus, as a man, he overcame. As a man, he defeated the devil. As a man, he obeyed the Father. As a man, his prayers were always lined up with the will of the Father. He understood this is why I'm on planet Earth. He will want us to be like him. Why are we on planet Earth? That our lives, our will, our prayers will line up with the heart of the Father. From Genesis to Revelation, God always found a human, a human being to help him fulfill his purposes. He comes to you and I today. He comes to revive today and ask us the question, are you willing? Will you help me fulfill my purpose for your life and for the earth? Will you help me perform my purpose in your life, in your family's life, in your church, in your community, in your nation, and in the world? I'm coming to you. So I invite you to discover your power, your authority, and rights that we have on earth to be to the position so that we can position ourselves to become a channel of faith for heavenly influence in the affairs of the earth. You see, heaven depends on you, and the earth needs you. I've heard it said this way. Without you, heaven will not. And without heaven, earth could not. It is an agreement that happens in prayer.
That's the importance of prayer. Say, Pastor, sounds good, but can you give me some scripture? We don't have all day today, but let me give you a couple. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, that means it won't happen until this happens, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Stop. This is for me, by the way, when I say this. Don't take it wrong. But let's stop talking about the issues and problems we see in society. Let's start praying about it. Could it be that we're at fault? Allowing the enemy to gain an advantage when we're called to battle in the heavenlies. And the only way to battle in the heavenlies is in prayer. When you pray, you become a channel. Ezekiel 22 verse 30 says, So I sought for a man, thus says the Lord, among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Could it be God is raising you up to pray so something different happens in your family? Maybe there are some generational curses that need to be broken. And God says, well, guess what? I, I, I saved you. Can you pray about that? Can you intercede on their behalf? See, now you are the soldier that I raised up for that battle. But we don't want to fight the battle. And we're asking, why did God don't do it? He's saying, I won't do what you don't ask. I won't do what you don't agree with me in prayer. Matthew 16, 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we can go on. But these are scriptures that show to us the importance of being in agreement with God. To being in agreement. The importance of your prayer. That goes beyond our list of things we just want God to do for us. Prayer. Prayer has the power to transform lives. I said prayer has the power to transform lives. Prayer has the power to change circumstances. Prayer. Prayer has the power to give peace and perseverance in the middle of your trials. Prayer. Prayer has the power to alter the course of nations. Prayer has the power to win the world for Christ. Prayer. Say, Lord, I need a refrigerator. How about pray so people don't go to hell? And I'll take care of your refrigerator. Does that make sense? Prayer. See, because when we pray, we represent God's interest on earth. And representation always requires relationship. God will want us to have a relationship with him. And we're going to go on into the series about what types of prayers are answered. But 
one of the basic requirements is you'd have to have a relationship with God. We do. We represent his interests. How can I represent God's interests when I don't want to have nothing to do with God? But I want him to answer my prayers. In other words, I want him to supply my needs. Because prayer becomes any, it just becomes about needs. I need this and I need that. And in prayer, God will say, I, want you, I know you need that, but here's what I need from you. Prayer means union with God. It means union with God, unity and purpose. Thought, desire, will, reason, motive, objective, and feelings. God makes things happen on earth when men and women agree with his will. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me, relationship, and my words, what does he say? What does he promise? And my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. So this is a condition for the shall be done. The condition or the requirement is I need to abide in him, Jesus. And allow that his words abide in me. That's called relationship. Revelation of his will. He says, now ask. Because when you know who I am, and you know what my word says, then you know what to ask for. And what you ask for will line up with what my word says. And will line up with who I am. And that's called agreement. Now that we are in agreement, what I pray for, I will see. I will receive. I will walk in it in the mighty name of Jesus. See, I'm challenging you today that our prayer life change. I'm challenging you today that we begin to pray according to what God or how God will want us to pray. Hallelujah. 1 John 5.14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. It's saying that he will hear and he will do what is his will. And I can have confidence that I will have it. That I will enjoy it. That I will see it. See, God's will should be the backbone of your prayers. God's will should be the heart of your intercession. God's will should be the source of your confidence in the supplication. God's will should be the strength of your fervent and effective prayer. Do you have that picture I sent? Can you show it? You want to connect to God? The password is prayer. See, we know how to connect to the, to the wide web. We know how to connect to the internet. We know how to connect to all these. We know how to do Google search. We know it. We know what Facebook says. We know what Twitter says. We know all these things. And in fact, even during our offering time, we will want you to connect to the church's web, church's router. We give you the password in order for you to give a donation. So we do these things all the time. But in order to connect to God, the password is prayer. 
cannot connect to God without prayer. God delights in answering prayers that aligns with his will. But how do we know the will of God? The most reliable way to know is by reading his word, by seeking God through the Bible, reading and through prayer. We come to know his heart and gain wisdom, spiritual insight. This gives us a greater understanding of how to pray according to his will and a greater chance of our prayer that will then be in fact answered. Simply put, God answers every prayer that aligns with his will. Let me conclude by sharing a parable. The parable is just a teaching, a story with a spiritual connotation. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was telling the disciples a parable. So Jesus is the one speaking. To make the point... That at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart. So Jesus is motivated to teach his disciples, which in fact he's teaching us today. What is the motivation, Pastor? Well, the motivation is I'm going to teach you that you ought to pray always. That you should never give up. That you should never lose your heart. Continue to pray. Verse 2, saying, and here's what Jesus said. In a certain city there was a, a judge. who This judge did not fear God. And had no respect for man. Sounds like many of our judges today. There was a disrespect. Or there was a desperate, excuse me, widow in that city. And she kept coming to him and saying, give me justice and legal protection from my adversary. Verse 4, for a time he would not. But later he said to himself, the unrighteous judge, he says, even though I do not fear God, nor do I respect man, yet, verse 5, because this widow continues to bother me, I will give her justice and legal protection. Otherwise, by continuously coming, she will become intolerable, annoyance. And she said, this will wear him out. Oh, this will wear me out, he said. Then verse 6 says, then the Lord said, listen. Here's what the Lord Jesus says. Listen to what the unjudged said. He says, Jesus says, listen to what the judge said. He's, this unrighteous, unjust, evil judge said, I'm going to do what this lady's praying for. I really don't want to. And for many days I didn't. But because she kept insisting. But because she kept coming back. But because she kept bothering me. I will do this for her. Jesus is teaching about prayer. And Jesus went on to say in verse 7, And will not God defend and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay on their behalf? I tell you, thus says Jesus, that he will defend and avenge them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faith? In other words... Jesus is saying, listen, if this unrighteous man, unjust judge, was able to answer the prayer of a woman who kept insisting, what I want you to get through your minds today, Jesus is teaching, is don't focus on the unjust judge. Focus on the fact that she kept coming and he went ahead and did it. 
if he being unjust went ahead and answered her prayer, how much more will my father? Jesus did not give this parable to say that God is like these, the unjust judge, but different from him. He's different. God loves to answer prayer and even helps us when we pray. God is for you when you pray, not against you as the unjust judge was against this widow. Jesus did not say that the man must persevere in prayer because God is reluctant to answer prayer. No, that's not the theme, the message, but because he is not. And that is then our motivation to pray. The woman did not stop asking, did not stop praying. Even when she was aware that this man was an unjust judge, how much more should we then knowing that our God is just and good come before him? See, sometimes it seems to us that God is reluctant to answer prayer. Have you ever felt that way? Anybody in this house today feels like sometimes God is just like, he's just not answering my prayer. <laughs> However, delays in prayer are not necessarily to change God but to change us. Persistence in prayer brings a transformative element to our lives, building in us a character, the character of God himself. And in this way, God will build us a heart that cares about the same things that he cares about. Could it be he's trying to teach us to pray? Could it be that delay means I want you to start praying for the right things? Could it be that he's trying to teach us? Pastor Preacher Spurgeon once said, Too many prayers are like a child who knocks on the door and runs. Knock, knock. And is gone before the door can even open. Somebody here? Where are they? Oh, well. How do you like the sound effects? You like them? What if we go, dun, 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 and we're persistent, and every day we're knocking, and every day we're waiting, and one day, enter into the joy of the Lord. Come on. You know, I'm not going to preach about that right now, but I was confronted with that same scripture because... When it says that enter into the joy of the Lord, we always preach it in the context of entering heaven. And when Jesus taught about that, it was not about heaven. It was about being good stewards with what God gives us. And he says, now that you were a good steward, enter into the joy of the Lord. Meaning, I'm going to bless you now. I'm going to bless you here. I'm going to bless you while you're, oh my God, while you're believing. I'm gonna, you don't need to get to heaven yet. Bring heaven down. As I conclude, our God is a just God. He's a wonderful judge. We come to a judge who is good and perfect. We come to a judge who loves to take care of his children. We come to a judge who is kind and gracious. We come to a judge who knows us. We come to a judge uh, before the judge with a defender, Christ, a, a, a friend who will plead for our case because he is the judge. We come to the judge with promises. To, he promises to cheer us up. We come to the judge with the right constant access with a judge who has a vested interest 
in our case. If God is saying, pray according to my will, don't you think he has a vested interest in seeing that prayer answered as we come to our feet? So Jesus becomes who intercedes on our behalf. So I leave you with this scripture. So then Hebrews 4.14, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven. Remember last week we were preaching about running the race. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Of our faith. So now we see Jesus as the high priest and we see now that we have a great high priest who entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So verse 16, here it is. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. How do you do that? Prayer. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Come boldly. What allows us to come boldly is know who he is. Know what he's done. Know what his will is. Know what his promises are. Know what he has accomplished on the cross. Know about the access he has given us. Now I come boldly. Yeah, I might come with a need. I might come with a sin. I might come with a weakness. But can I come now? You know, one of the elements of prayer we're we'll into later is overcoming sin. And when we, have, we come in boldly. Boldly. You know, what God wants us to be, I'll leave you with this. Is, it's not that my pastor can come into his presence boldly. So let me call my pastor. What God wants you is for you to come in boldly. The same access that I have to God and the same needs, as Pastor Andres said, we all have and we all need. How many believe that? So God will want you to come in boldly and make petition before him and know that you will receive his mercy, find grace, and help. Amen. Next week, we'll get into the prayer model. But one word that immediately comes to my mind when Jesus taught us to pray is, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how Jesus prayed. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Pray kingdom. Pray the purpose of God. Pray the will of God. Pray that the heavenlies... In, invade the earthly but I can't do it unless my people pray unless my people pray thus you understand the power of prayer now and the significance and the importance to pray about everything but most of all to pray his will be done on earth as it is in heaven Remember Jesus in Gethsemane. Father, pass from me this cup. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to die. 
I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be spit at. I don't want to be whipped. I don't want nails to go in my hands. I don't want nails to go into my feet. I don't want a spear to go through my side. But then he ended his prayer by saying what? But not my will. Not my will. Your will be done. What happened when God's will was done? He was able to save humanity. There's always a reason why God will reveal purpose and reveal will. There is always something greater behind it. Something greater behind it that we might not understand in the moment. But if we come into agreement with God's purpose, God's going to do it. I'm believing for revive to be a place where people are revived. And not only a place where people come to be revived, a place we can send people out to establish other locations to revive people for the kingdom of God. That his name be lifted up above all things. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you. As we are all, first of all, me, are being confronted to develop, grow in our prayer life. To pray according to your will, your purpose. And we will see the answers of prayers. As we seek your kingdom first, all these things will be added. Help us to understand by seeking you, by understanding what your word says, what are your promises. But as we're all growing and developing, we know you answer the faith that is the size of a mustard seed. So maybe, Lord, I, I cannot do these great elaborate prayers. And that's not what you're after. You just are after us agreeing and believing and asking and declaring. Help us all have that type of faith. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen. 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 I shared this morning with the Spanish service, and I'll just leave you with this, that when I was that young man, I came to Christ at 13. When I was that young man, not, not too long ago, not too long ago. Um, one of the things that was always heartbreaking for me was I was the only one in my family that went to church. And out of five brothers and sisters and my parents, they never joined me in a church service. It was so painful for me to look to the left and to the right and never, ever see my mom, dad, brother, sisters. I was the youngest of five, and, and they were not there. This is in New York City in the Bronx. And though I accepted Jesus, I always had the pain, the pain of my family's not here. I'm doing this by myself. And I would see when the church service was over, how young people ran to their parents. Or there was youth activities and their parents would bring them and, and, and these type of things. And I was always the loner. I was always the one who did, could not count on a family member to join me in church. So I began to pray. Yeah, I prayed for that bicycle, but, but then I grew in prayer. And, I, and, and, and as the years went by and, and, and I said, Lord, I want a family. I need a family. Can you give me a family that believes in you, that loves you, that serves you? I want to experience what that looks like. I want to experience, I want to enjoy what that means to be able to go to church as a family. Because I, I don't have no idea what that is. Can, can you grant me that prayer, that petition, that request? And when I was 19 going on 20, 
joined the army at 17. I saw a young lady in New York, Jeannie from the block. And here's what I told her. I literally went up to her one day and I said, I'm praying for you. That was the most romantic thing I could ever say. I literally told her, I'm praying for you. And of course, she was raised in New York, so she went, go ahead, keep praying. Yeah, she shook the head and everything, yes. Keep praying. Six months later, we were married. Why do I share that? Because I'm reminded service after service for the 40 years we've been married. I've been reminded service after service. When I look at the seats where I sit, I see my wife. I see my son. I see my daughter. I see my six grandchildren. And it's been the case for these 40 years. That the prayer of a young man who believed God, that you can give me this, Lord, the desire of my heart. But see, it was a prayer that lined up with his purpose. Why? Because we're called to preach the gospel. We're called to be pastors. We're called to make a difference in this city. We're called to lead you as your, your pastors today. Not something we chose. Not something we decided. Not something we went to school to do. Just because God said it. He called us. He wanted us to. And God said, Carlos, what you lacked as a young man, what you never had, what you cried about for so many years, I'm allowing your son, your daughter, your children, and their children look to the right they're there they're sitting next to you imagine what else God has done or could do and what he's about to do in your life bow your heads is there anyone here today the greatest prayer we can ever pray is a prayer of repentance and acceptance of Jesus it begins a relationship, thus is needed to pray. I'm reminded of the, the man, the, the thief at the cross. He prayed a very simple prayer. Remember me when you enter in your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. It was a prayer according to God's will. And if you're here today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I I would invite you to do so today. Don't leave this place. Or maybe you used to serve the Lord, but you know what? We backslid. Whatever the reasons may be, maybe church hurt you. Somebody in church hurt you. Something happened. And God would say, hey, come back to me today because I have a purpose for your life. And if that is you, say, Pastor, I'm not leaving here today unless I accept Jesus or I be reconciled back to the Lord. If that is you, raise your hand wherever you are.